When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, what do you think is the most popular kind of vehicle out there right now? Ooh, probably the small crossover. Yeah, okay, outside of that. Um, the Ford F-Series pickup. Okay, outside of that one. Uh, the Toyota Camry. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tommy, what's really popular right now, and that's because gas prices are through the roof. We just filled up a bunch of trucks, uh, and diesel was five forty-nine, and gas, the cheap stuff was like four oh four. Uh, with gas prices at an all-time high, people are actually thinking about switching to electric vehicles. Uh, and now there's a whole crop of new electric crossovers. And in this podcast, uh, you, myself, and Jay, our producer. Hey, Jay. How's it going, guys? Good, good. We're going to do some fun things, and that is talk about um, the uh, current crop of electric vehicles. And more importantly, we've driven them all, and we're going to go through and talk about what's good and what's not so good about them. And then, of course... What's this picture you got up there? Well, I just came back from the Acura Integra first drive. Um, I got to drive the, the new fifth generation Integra, so we're going to talk about that as well. And probably throw in a rant or two, huh? Sure. I mean, that's always inevitable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, we do read all of our comments, uh, and, you know, the comment that keeps coming back up is that we argue too much, Tommy. That we bicker. Did yes, I say it? Yes, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying to fix it. <laughs> but I had an epiphany. Okay. And my epiphany was that, look, we're family, right? We're father and son. And this is what families do. Of do you course. bicker with your dad, Jay? Of course. Come on. So I would say, you know, let's just embrace our bickeringness, <laughs> or at least our arguing. And I think it makes the podcast interesting. I think it makes it unique and different. And there are a lot of podcasts out there that I listen to that I love that have no bickering or arguing whatsoever. So podcasts like wheel bearings our friend uh sam nicole and robbie yeah great podcast way better way better go, go <laughs> if you don't want family style arguing please go check out wheel bearings or here's another good one uh the consumer reports podcast no bickering very true yeah they do a great one too so um what do you want to talk about today so what are we what are we discussing we're discussing the current crop of electric cars in case you want to you know, not use the gas pump, but use your home as your fuel station. And should we dive right into it? Yeah, let's dive right into it. Should we do it alphabetically, or how do you want to do this? Ooh, I don't know if I have the brain for an alphabetical order. It's All kind right. of a hard one to well, put together. Well, look, the cool thing is every manufacturer now has decided that they're going to build uh, a mid-size crossover that's electric, right? 
Pretty much. Pretty much, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah it's not out, it's on its way. So, so I think the ones that people are going to be the most curious about are Tesla, of course, the Model 3, the Model X, the Model Y, and the Model S. And we'll talk about those. We've you know, owned three of those four, uh, so we'll leave those to the end. All right, so let's start. Let's kind of start out with the most recent one that you drove, which is the Toyota uh, BZ4X. Yeah, this was the partnership with Subaru. So it was a Solterra. Subaru and Toyota went together um, and and decided to uh, build an electric crossover using a um, you know the, the 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 best of both worlds an idea. So I, I think it's built by Toyota, right? It's got a lot of Toyota in it, but then it's got um, Subaru all-wheel drive in terms of its X mode and its programming, and it's a really good car. So I just got back from the drive program a few weeks ago in San Diego, and I know on paper it's probably not that spectacular compared to some of the other offerings, but it's a really, really solid EV. So full disclosure, Subaru doesn't loan us cars, so we can't talk about the Solterra, but we will talk about the Toyota. And the biggest difference between the two is uh, Subaru is a little bit more off-roady, a little bit more cladding, but basically underneath they're the same car. Well, what they did with the Subaru is they made the cladding matte black. And on the Toyota. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That is another difference between the two, Tommy. That's important to point out. Yes. The Toyota's front-wheel drive, or you can get it in front-wheel drive. Right, exactly. And the, the Subaru's all-wheel drive only. Yes. Um, but from a design standpoint, it's pretty much colors and then matte black versus shiny black fender flares. Um, now, one of the things that I really like about the BZ4X, you know, Toyota is known for its longevity, for its reliability. And one of the big concerns when buying an EV is how is the battery going to hold up? Well, Toyota has come out and said that um, the BZ4X will uh, still operate at 90% of its uh, new performance even after 10 years or 150,000 miles of battery use. So they're, they're, they're putting a claim on here that this battery is going to last a really long time. So uh, let's just take a step. Uh, I'm assuming, guys, uh, that uh, a lot of our people who are listening to this podcast are new to electric cars. Uh, and with internal combustion engine cars, right, there are definitely like performance numbers uh, that people care about. And those have to do with horsepower, oftentimes with torque. Uh, with fuel economy, right? But with electric cars, we have a similar set of numbers that are similar but different. So we should define, I think there's maybe five basic criteria that you can judge uh, electric cars by that you can put up next to each other and you can compare. So obviously the one that most people are interested in right now is range, right? Which Absolutely, is yeah. horrendously overrated. Fair enough, but I'm saying that, that, that is one of the that is one of the specific electric cars. So it's let's, the biggest question I get when people ask me. Yeah, let, let's go range. Then uh, the next one, which has to do with range, is basically kind of the equivalent of like horsepower. It's how big is the battery, right? And that's judged in what's called kilowatt hours. So how many kilowatt hours is a battery? And usually, the bigger the battery, the more expensive the vehicle, the further the range. But there's a lot of different criteria that go into that, right? So number one is range. Number two is battery size. Uh, and here's a sp very specific one too, and it also ties into range and battery size, and that is charge speeds. How mm -hmm. quickly does it charge? And does it charge on a level one, level two, or DC fast charger? Uh, and so um, obviously the faster it charges, the less time if you're road tripping you spend at the Walmart, at the Electrify America station. So that's, that's another important number. And that number is done not in kilowatt hours, but in kilowatts. It's very confusing. So batteries are in kilowatt hours, but charging speeds are in kilowatts. The fourth criteria, which is important, is how much power does it use per mile traveled? Right, Tommy? It basically goes down to its efficiency. How efficient is it? 
Yeah, or I think a better way of looking at it is how many miles can it go in every kilowatt hour? It's kind of like how far can your car go on a gas uh, one gallon of gasoline? Um, so let's go back to the BZ4X. Yeah, and then let's apply these criteria to the cars that we're talking about, and that way we have uh, a quantifiable way of comparing them to each other. Yes, I, I think that hmm, here's the issue though, okay. right? Everybody likes to look at the numbers and say, all right, this car is clearly better than this car. Um, but cars are toasters. You can't be like, this toaster is better than this toaster. It heats up faster. It'll last longer. It's also about uh, the, the way they integrate that technology into the vehicle, the, the quality of the vehicle, the fit and finish, the size, the, the form factor. So there's a lot that goes into it. So I don't want to just make this a show about like, oh, this car is 80 kilowatt hours. So it's got to be better than this one. That's 60 because it's a lot that goes into it. Um, one thing I want to talk about the BZ4X is, um, I think I misquoted it. It's 90% uh, of its um, new battery degradation after 10 years um, so will only decline about 10% they didn't put a mileage number on that I've read that's wrong somewhere but think about that I mean that's a bold claim they're saying you can drive this car for 10 years and still have 90% of its original battery capacity I, I mean a good rule of thumb and Tesla has been around the longest so we know this now is you lose about 1% a year okay so, so after 10 years you're gonna lose about 10% yeah of but the tell that back. to the original leaf owners yeah, that's, that are now cruising along at 30 miles from range. <laughs> so that, that's another, whole technology. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of other kind of things that you can judge battery tech by. One of them is, you know, how well does the car handle thermal management? In other words, batteries like being at the same temperature that humans like being at, and they perform worse when they're cold. Uh, so in cold temperatures, of course, the range decreases. The other thing that batteries uh, don't do very well is charge up quickly when they're cold. So does the car actually thermomanage the battery pack in a way that makes it efficient uh, for both cold weather driving and for charging? So there's a whole, and now we're really going to get into the weeds because like you know does the car preheat the batteries when you're about to go and charge it? If it does, then usually that means that it will charge faster. Does the car have a heat pump instead of a traditional HVAC system? Once again, more efficient, a longer range. But I don't want to go into the weeds. I think this is a podcast for people who are new to EVs, and that's getting really into uh, the deep end of things. So let's just keep with those four criteria. So let me ask you, Tommy, how big is a battery pack? Well, let's talk about battery capacity and range. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, I don't want to miss... I just asked that. I don't... Yes, but I'm stalling because I don't want to misquote it, so I'm looking it up. Okay, all right. Because I don't want to give you one number and then have it be totally wrong. So in its max configuration, the BZ4X can go um, right around 250 miles on a single charge. And that's going to be um, the front-wheel drive version. So is 252 miles enough range? Yeah, I do. I think anything over 200 miles is is usable. We've owned a lot of California compliance EVs. These are EVs that have less than 100 miles of range. And I would say for a city car, you have to have at least 100 miles of range. Uh, so if you're going to use it just to commute to work or you know drive around whatever city you're in, uh, 100 miles of range is usually plenty. Uh, one that comes up to, you know in my mind is our uh, Mini SE, the electric Mini. It's got 114 miles of range. If you're actually going to cross country, you need at least 200. 300 is ideal, uh, but you can live with 200. So right around a 71, 72 kilowatt hour battery. So it's a pretty big battery. Yeah. Um, and what Toyota does, which is very interesting, is they actually have two different battery suppliers. So uh, one battery supplier is, I believe, Panasonic, and the other one is CATL. So two different chemistries, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to depend whether or not you get the front-wheel drive model or the all-wheel drive model. And the all-wheel drive model also goes um, a, a little bit less 
in its uh, range because of the all-wheel drive system. All right, so let's talk about the car. You drove it. How does it drive? Very well. So this is where I think um, things really take a good turn for the Toyota. It is a phenomenal vehicle to drive. So it's very soft, it's very squishy, but it's uh, almost like old school American luxury where it just kind of floats over everything. It's whisper quiet. The calibration of the motors is really good. So the way that the, uh, the there's no like cogging, there's no whine or, or any kind of stutter, even at low speeds, very, very well done. It's not super fast, only around 215 horsepower, I think the all-wheel drive one. They're saying like mid seven seconds, zero to 60 if I remember right. But it is plenty quick for day-to-day -day use. Uh, it does not have a front trunk, so there's no front trunk. You've got all the bits and bobs underneath there. But I really did enjoy driving it. A couple things that are not very good is the, the, the charging rate on DC charging is 150 kilowatts for uh, I think the front wheel drive one and then 100 for the all wheel drive one. So that's the max peak charging rate, which is acceptable, but it's a little bit low as we enter the 2023 model year. That could probably be a little bit and higher. Then, and then this week the news has been that some of the other publications did a, a test on its charging curve. Now the charging curve is basically how quickly it charges, right? And so um, when you charge an electric car, you never want to let it go all the way to zero, and you never want to charge it all the way to 100 unless you're road tripping. So it's basically 20% to 80% is how most people charge. Well, you, can, you can go you to can, zero. Yeah. But, but it, it, it degradates the batteries quicker if you're at home. So I don't know about going to the bottom of the pack. Right. So I have read that it's not good to go all the way to the top at home every day. Right. Right. That's when you start and Usually to, the manufacturer won't allow you to do that anyway. Well, a lot of the times they recommend you only go to 80 or 90% or sometimes even 75 well, and, but and I think bringing it down close to zero, I don't think it's but, too bad for the pack. And the other thing, if you're new to EVs, um, outside of Tesla, most manufacturers will not allow you to charge up completely. So if let's just be, let's just throw out there. Let's say if you have a hundred kilowatt hour battery pack, and you have let's say. Uh, uh, one of the German electric cars, which we'll get to, you will never be able to charge it all the way to 100. They'll always reserve like between five and 10 percent of the pack on either end of it. So you'll never, you'll never take it down to zero, and you'll never take it a, particularly up to 100 percent. You you think you'll take it up to 100 percent, but car you'll will take say it, it. The car will say you've gone to 100 percent, but it's really like 95 kilowatt hours. That last five percent they'll reserve. There's a little buffer in there just so yeah. to protect the battery. Exactly. But that's changing so quickly. So it, Tesla is known for having a tiny buffer. Well, in the Tesla, you can actually change it. You can manually say, I want to go to 100%. Oh, you can do that on pretty much every EV now. But, when you go to, but in a Tesla, when you go to 100%, you are actually going to 100%. Not quite. They're still giving you a buffer. And it used to be like an e-tron used to have a really big battery buffer. But I was just in that new BMW i4, which we'll talk about here in a sec. And that battery buffer is teeny weeny. I read it. I'm like, holy cow. BMW's letting you use how much of the battery? It was like a very, very small amount that they keep in reserve. All right, well, let's, we got a lot of cars to go through. Uh, so so the, the Toyota, I think it's a little bit expensive. Um, of course, certain some of these manufacturers that we talked about today will apply for the $7,500 tax credit. Um, so they should, they should most, most all of them will apply except for Tesla. Which, yeah. is, which is burned through all of theirs And already. then some of them have partial credits as well. It depends if you lease it or... I don't want to get into the weeds too much. Most of them... Let's just, let's just say most of them still apply to the 7500 uh, credit, and that is if you if you are eligible, right? Right. Yeah, if you make enough so money. So let's just keep it easy, peasy, lemon squeezy. So the XLE front-wheel drive starts at about $42,000 with the Toyota, which I do think is pretty expensive. And then the other big disappointment with the Toyota is it's being sold initially only in Zev states. 
Mm. Right. So uh, the zero emission states. Well, um, and the charging curve, uh, like I say, some publications this week just found out that once you get above 80 percent, yeah, it just it, it goes, dropped down to yeah. one kilowatt. It, it goes very, very low, very, very quickly. So, so once again, that number is its charging number, not its kilowatt hour battery number. Uh, so let's say that the fastest car that we've ever tested is a Porsche uh, Taycan, which I saw go up to 260 kilowatts. It's supposed to be 250. I think the one I had briefly hit 260, actually. 270. Was it 270? I did a video. Is, I is the max on a Yeah, yeah. so I, I think I saw 264. Okay. Uh, uh, this Toyota has a really hard time hitting its max, and then once you get to 80%, if, you want, if you're if you road tripping and you want to actually go to 100%, uh, the recent publication, I think it was Road and Track, was getting one kilowatt after 80%, which means in practical terms, let's say from 20 to 80%, it's going to take you 40 minutes. That last 10% at one kilowatt hour is going to take you hours. Yeah, but the idea is you would never... I mean, ideally, you wouldn't charge from 80 to 100% at a public DC fast charging station because every car is going to slow down. The Toyota just apparently falls off the cliff. But, I mean, you don't want to waste your, your time just sitting there, waste your money paying for, for a lot of cases, so, time. So, so the upside to the Toyota and uh, uh, I, I think uh, Subaru, because they're, like I say, identical underneath, uh, is, uh, you said, good driving dynamics. Yeah, I really nice like the way interior, it drove. Very comfortable interior. Uh, uh, re relatively reasonably priced, affordable-ish. Yeah. Mm. Ish. Or not your car. I don't like the headroom. Yeah. I felt like the, the headroom was very lacking in the Toyota. Um, I'm not a big fan of this weird gauge cluster they use, which kind of looks like the Starship Enterprise. Okay. No front trunk, and then the DC fast charging speed. And I'm, I'm not entirely convinced it's better than some of the competition which we'll talk about coming up. But it is a good solid offering which should last a long time. And if you guys want to see our reviews of, we've got reviews of all these cars. Uh, so if you want to get in and do a deep dive, go to alltfl.com and we've got all of our reviews up there. Uh, so let's move on. I mentioned briefly and we should talk about this car. It's because it's, it's significant. It's the Mini SE. So it's the electric Mini. We bought ours about a year ago at that time. It was the cheapest uh, new electric car you could buy in America. Uh, they started about 30000 They still qualify for the $7,500 tax rebate. So if you can get the $30,000 one in Colorado, we get another $1,500 off. So you're looking at if you can buy one, and this is a big if, right? Everything is, has that caveat on this list today. Uh, you're looking at a brand new electric car for like $22,000 if you qualify for the rebate. Not anymore. What? Because they got rid of the base model. Okay. So how much is... So I think it starts at like $34,000, $33,000, so $25,000. If you qualify if for you the qualify. tax credit. And... The Mini SE is one of those cars. I mean, all the cars on the list are going to be fairly hard to get, but uh, there has been such high demand for these Minis where I think you're going to be waiting for a little while. So what Mini did is they took the electric powertrain out of the BMW i3 and they stuck it in the little tiny Mini Cooper and they ended up on accident, I think, with one of the best new EVs on the market. We think it's the most fun to drive Mini, period. No. Yeah, I think so. No. New it's... Mini. You don't think it's the best fun-to-drive Mini? Oh, new Mini? Yeah, period. New Mini that you can buy. G give me a more fun-to-drive Mini than the Mini SE. Well, uh, John Cooper works or the GP. GP is, yeah, it's a pretty hard car to beat. But it is the most fun new electric car you can buy. I, I honestly think so. I think it's the most fun Mini to drive just because it, it captures that spirit of Mini with instant torque. That's the other great thing about mm -hmm. electric cars, right? We have instant torque and we have very quick acceleration. Well, so. the real spirit of Mini would be broken down on some country B lane <laughs> waiting for the lorry to come scoop you up in the UK. Uh, but uh, no, it doesn't capture that. It's it does not past. capture that. But the Cooper SE is such a fun 
phenomenal car. It only goes 114 miles yeah. on a single charge. So that's a downside right there. Right, that's the big downside. It also charges quite slowly. 50 kilowatt hours, uh, 50 kilowatts. How many hour battery is it? Uh, like a 33. 33, uh, so a pretty small battery. It is just so much fun. I mean, it's zero to 60 in 6.97 seconds is what we've timed ours at. But the smaller you can make a car, the more visceral it feels. So. Going 50, 60 miles an hour in the Mini Cooper SE feels like you're doing 80 or 90 in a Tesla. So we, we, we bought it in Albuquerque. We road tripped it. So we, we're actually able to road trip a car that only has 114 miles of range. Uh, the downside of the car is obviously it's a Mini. So if you're expecting a lot of room, don't. <laughs> but I do fit in the back, which is interesting. I have sat in the and back. You're comfortable of it. driving it, though. Oh, I'm super comfortable driving it. There you go. It's got this kind of cool tweedy interior, which is really cool. Well, that's a tricolor roof, Tommy. That's where Mini really shines. I feel like some of the new EVs on the market are just so mechanically and and um, are so engineered so well that you lose some of the spirit. And not to say that the Mini's badly engineered, but they they just add a lot of fun into it. So it's got ghost stripes and the three colored roof, and it's got that weird circle in the middle where the uh, screen lives and the tweed interior and it's just got a lot of personality yeah. so it's one of the few evs on the market that just oozes personality U ugliest wheels in the whole world i love the wheels it's got these those <laughs> wheels you can get it with asymmetrical Family wheels debate right here <laughs> asymmetrical wheels were phenomenal looking they're, they're supposed to be you know what they're supposed to be jay they're supposed to be like the power outlet in the uk yeah i saw that i right? I, 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 I got the i think i think savage geese call them crucifix wheels because it basically looks <laughs> like a cross well, now funny thing about those wheels yeah. uh, when they revealed the car, um, this was like 2019, 2020, they were called the Corona wheels. And then right when they started hitting the press fleets, uh, all the window stickers said the Corona style wheels right when the coronavirus hit. And then Ooh, they had to, oh, yeah, it was unfortunate. They had there. to switch the name to the Power Spoke wheel because of that whole debacle. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so fun. Front it's, wheel it's drive. A, it's a good car if you've got a, a level two home charger. And let's talk about charging right there. are three levels of charging. We already did. Well, one, is, about one is a plug at home, <laughs> two is like your dryer, and three is DC. It's either quick, fast charging at like an Electrify America or... You Didn't know. you say this already? Am I going crazy? I thought you were, we already talked about this. I just quickly mentioned it. Oh, okay. A little more in depth Sorry. There. I didn't mean to cut I you off there. I didn't, I didn't expand on it. But level two at home is really where it's at. Well, yeah. but I, So I did the, this video on TFLEV talking about how much I like the car, the long-term update. And a lot of people were saying, actually, um, if you have a short commute... Uh, a lot of folks are just plugging it into like a standard 110 volt outlet. You only use 20, 30% of the battery. You could get that back in a, in a night of charging because uh, it's got such a tiny little battery, right? So a phenomenal little car. Really did do like driving it around. Uh, uh, yeah, they that killed downside it. Downside is it's small, low range, small battery, slow charging, but it's extremely, uh, extremely efficient, right? Yeah, it's very efficient. What's, what's how much? How many kilowatts per mile is it? Do you know, it's like. Well, what, I think it, the, it would be miles per kilowatt. Miles hour. per kilowatt. I always get that backwards. Yeah. Um, it's like we're getting like three point six. It's higher than that. It's closer to four. Four, yeah, which okay. is pretty phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's some cars that get like two. I think a better way to judge efficiency though yeah. is to go off MPGE. Yeah. which mm -hmm. is miles per gallon equivalent. Yeah. And the Mini is rated at 110 combined, so it's yeah. really good. So that's a good number that the EPA puts out there, but I kind of find it's it's a it's a number that's a little squishy. Well, it's a, I mean, it's, it's harder to equate in your head, 
but it's a good way, it's a good baseline to judge all EVs off of because they have the system, it's very scientific. So, so their the, website ends in .gov, so it's... Uh, <laughs> so, so the reason for that number is, of course, a way to compare internal combustion engine cars to electric cars, but it's based on a formula, and that formula is... Um, a formula so it doesn't take into account like real-world driving, right? Where you're dealing with uh, cold temperatures or you're dealing with headwinds or you're dealing with high temperatures. And so, you know, when we look at the car and we see almost four, um, I always get that backwards, four... Miles per kilowatt hour. Four miles per kilowatt hour. That is a significantly, you know, big number. Uh, so basically... It, says that the car is very efficient. Well, the thing about the EPA is just like gas cars, right? Gas cars get worse in the winter, maybe not quite as bad as the Mini, which is another disappointment, is it does drop right significantly in the Mini um, in the winter. But um, the other way that the fueleconomy.gov website breaks it down is how many kilowatt hours to go 100 miles? And maybe that makes more sense. So in the Mini, it takes 31 kilowatt hours, almost the whole battery pack, to go 100 miles. All right, well, let's talk about one of the cars that's been a huge hit, that's been very popular. Uh, let's jump, uh, and we'll talk, actually, we'll, we'll kind of combine them because they came, came out at the same time. So we're going to talk about the Mustang Mach-E and the Volkswagen ID4. Let's start with the Mustang Mach-E. Uh, if I remember right, Ford has now sold about 60,000 of them, which is a big number. Not, of course, as big as Tesla Model 3, uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, a big number. Um, I initially did not like that car, and my rationale for not liking it is uh, a little selfish. I felt that they misnamed it. I, I didn't feel it was a Mustang, so I felt like it was kind of bait and switch, and Ford was using the name to try and to sell it. style. Yeah, to design, try to sell yeah. a car, and then they designed it in such a way as to try to make it much more uh, sporty than it perhaps is, right? It's not a sports car. It's not a Mustang. So I kind of felt offended that they, that they put the Mustang badge on it. But if you take that away from the car, if you just forget about that fact, it is uh, a serious player in the EV uh, world right now. Uh, we've had it. We reviewed it. Uh, I think uh, the upside of that vehicle is um, it's um, very um, uh, very useful. It's kind of the right size. And it has a frunk, right? A front trunk? It does have a frunk, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of was in the same boat as you initially about yeah. the naming, and now I kind of have a different attitude toward because if you look at the original Mustang which launched in 1964 and a half and a half what <laughs> it was I mean it was basically a family car yeah. um, and then a, with the big V8 a Ford Fairlane right Falcon yeah, they Falcon. actually refer to it as like a secretary's car well yeah so the original one right um, I mean then there were a lot of straight sixes but then it kind of grew off of that right they right. took a family car and then they it made was always it was a two-door it wasn't a four-door yeah but they, they they took like the the, the family car made it fast and what did the Mustang Mach-E do? They took the family crossover and made it really, really fast. So you can go zero to 60, depending on the trim, in mid three second range. Yeah, there is a, there is a performance variant. Uh, so I think with the Mustang, uh, you're certainly seeing Ford um, crib a lot of Tesla. So I think Ford mm -hmm. looked at the Model Y, uh, you know, and they kind of uh, aimed directly at the heart of what is the most popular or most advanced electric car in that mid-size crossover segment, right? So, uh, you know, the Mach-E has a regular variant and a GT version. The Tesla Model Y has a regular variant and a performance variant, right? A dual motor performance variant. And so we've got that same kind of formula uh, in the Mustang. Uh, so let's talk about the Mustang. I think I'll give you what I like about it and I'll give you what I don't like about it. How about that? Well, what about my turn? 
Right, well, why don't you start? <laughs> why don't you talk about the numbers and what you like and don't, and I'll just shut up. So the range, I'm not saying I don't want to be like that, but I, uh, I do have some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, go uh, for it. So if you get, the one we see a lot in Colorado is the all-wheel drive model with the extended range. Uh, 2022, rated at 277 miles on a single charge. It's rated at 91 MPGE. Uses 37 kilowatt hours per 100 miles, but depending on the trim, you can also go a little further. If you, uh, if you get the max configuration, you're going to be looking at about 340. 14 miles on a single which, charge. Which is very similar to the Model Y. Starting at 43895 and uh, lots of different trims, although I'm looking at the 2022 Mustang Mach-E on the Ford website, and all of them say not available for order. So I'm wondering if maybe we're uh, hitting the bottom of the barrel for uh, chips or batteries on the They're sold out. Mach-E. Uh, yeah. Like everything else. They it's, just exhausted their supply for the year. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it. sold out. Massively popular, though. Uh, GT starts at 61.9. Um, which is a lot of money, I, I do agree. But this is a good, what I like about the Mustang Mach-E is it feels like a thoroughbred EV. So it's got the front trunk. It's got uh, lots of technology in it. I really love the big vertical screen. Uh, I know. I do, I do like the infotainment. Yep. I, I think that it's, I, I, the must, the design I'm not huge on, but it's a bunch better looking than a lot of small crossovers. It looks like it's like sucking on a lemon. It's got that weird like. Well, it's not an Edsel. No, but it's got that weird like little beaky <laughs> nose, right? It looks like your two little lips are just a little too tight. That's what they said about the Edsel though. It looked like an Oldsmobile sucking a lemon. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like it because it's got a little bit of pizzazz. Even in the standard ones, it's not just another electric crossover, it's got some kind of fun sporting attributes. Yeah, so my biggest problem with it was like they went after the Model Y, but they didn't really raise uh, the they didn't raise the, um, the the bar, right? They they, they they kind of met the Model Y at where the Model Y was, and, and they did a lot of the same things that the Model Y does. So they they had to reintroduce like the door handles, right? It has these funky door handles that push open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had to you know copy the front, obviously, and they put a drain in it so you could like you know the Tesla you can't like use it for tail. Delegating, right? Uh, they did plug and charge, right? Which is something a Tesla does. Right, but just coming to other cars, though, it's not just a Ford thing. Yeah, yeah. But it, so it, to me, it felt like they, they, they went after Tesla, but they didn't exceed Tesla. Um, I think it's probably got better dynamics than a Tesla. I'm, I'm really not a big fan of Tesla's suspension setup in any of their cars. And I think the Mustang uh, is a little bit better. Uh, it's still not you know, a track car, but it, it performs a little bit better. It, the hard thing about making a car ride well uh, that's a performance car is it's easy to make it ride firm, right, Jay? Because yes. th- that's what you want. You want a flat, go around a curve, uh, tight, vehicle, but it's hard then to make it comfortable on bumpy roads, uh, and Tesla suffers from that. So Teslas don't have, I think, a comfortable ride in their performance variants. They do have a performance ride, but they don't get that mix right, whereas I think the Mustang does get it right. Uh, I also like that they give you an instrument cluster, so there's a little speed readout right in front of the steering wheel. Unlike yes. a Model Y, we have to keep looking to the right. I think the fit and finish is the better. Ter- than The materials are interesting. The fit and finish is better than the Tesla in a lot of ways. It's a great car. I really do like it. Charging speed peaks at about 150 kilowatts, which is okay, and they do this kind of weird step charging curve, which is a little funky. But overall, they, they really did a good job with the Mach-E. Uh, tires do look a little goofy. They're very thin, <laughs> I think, because of aero. Um, but overall, it, it does have a lot of personality. 
and good personality, which is something I think you can't say about the next vehicle, which uh, is oh, the Volkswagen ID4. So another small electric crossover. I'm not sure Volkswagen hit the mark on this one. Yeah, I think putting you know the play button on the accelerator and the pause button on the brake was uh, you know the height of their <laughs> of their uniqueness in the vehicle. Uh, you know they did some things which are a real head scratcher, and that that's kind of the. The, the, the diplomatic way of saying, what the hell were you guys thinking? Like, for instance, I can't get past this, right? Mm. They got rid of the four buttons on the driver's side that control oh, yeah. the windows. you got to toggle two buttons between front and rear window, which is no bueno when you pull up to the airport and try to get a ticket to park, and you've got the toggle switch set to the rear windows, and there's 14 cars behind you, and you're like, why is my window opening? And then you, like, realize... Because you're all stressed out to catch the plane. Oh, that's right. I've toggled to the rear windows and not the front windows. It's uh, not a huge deal. And there's actually shortcuts where you can open all and all of them at the same it's time. It's a huge deal. It's, a, it's just silly. Uh, the other huge deal is the infotainment for me would be a complete... Well, that is a huge deal. I, so it's got... Another, you know, deal breaker. They've gone to all touchscreen and, and oh, um, touch button controls. Yeah. And I do find them to be extremely fussy and difficult to use. Uh, really was disappointed in the new Volkswagen infotainment. It's not only the ID4, it's coming to other models too. And I wish it wouldn't because it just needs some more work. The ones I've driven have also been very, very, very glitchy in the infotainment system between getting from, to and from menus um, and going through some adjustments. It, it has frozen up a few times. Uh, what I, yeah, and then I, I also think the design is just very awkward. It's got kind of this big hump on the on the hood, and it, it just looks very kind of tall and just uncomfortable to look at. Uh, the all-wheel drive one does drive quite nice. The rear-wheel drive one feels quite pokey and slow. Um, and then you don't have like the front trunk, which I understand Volkswagen's argument is going to be, well, we're not aiming for an EV consumer. We're aiming for a gasoline consumer who's never used a front trunk. And that's great, but it is a competitive advantage that a lot of their uh, competition has over the VW, like the uh, Mustang. So pricing starts in the $41,000 range before the tax credit. But two-wheel drive. Yeah. I don't think it drives particularly well. It's kind of wallowy and... I mean, like the 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 BZ4X, not really uh, is also wallowy, right. but that's just so cushy and serene that you kind of forgive it. The Volkswagen has some like sporty potentials, but it doesn't quite so deliver the, on it. There are some good things about it. Uh, it it is uh, roomy. Yeah, the range is good. So the range is good. Can can get you up to 280 miles of range. Um, the all-wheel drive system works very well. We found. Uh, and if you can get past the infotainment, then the driving uh, position is good. Yeah, uh, the uh, position's good, yeah. I have plenty of headroom, which, you know, I've been suffering from in a lot of cars <laughs> I've been driving recently, like the, like the new Z. Uh, and uh, I agree with you. The styling is kind of it's kind of odd. It's just weird. It's not, you know, what I, what I was hoping for when electric cars came out, Jay, was that they became like the Jetsons car, where you take it and you start all over again. But this exactly. one just is just weird. It's well, this brings up a good point because I was at the Frankfurt Motor Show when they revealed the ID4's first cousin, the ID3 hatchback. Yeah, we don't get that. I know, which is a shame yeah. because I, I really like that. The ID3 I, is much cuter. It, it, it fits that criteria you just said. The Jetsons car, start all over for the future. I think they would have done better if they just brought in the ID Buzz, you know, the van. 
because that's got all the buzz around it. Well, that, I mean, that's coming. It's coming. I know, but they... they well, brought, brought, you're saying it should have been first. Yeah, brought that in first, and they use that as a halo to get people into the showroom and sell them on other electric cars. But, you know, they did what they did. Uh, it is gettable, which is nice. Very, uh, yeah. And if you actually email around, you might find it, uh, you know, gettable at sticker or even, dare I say, below sticker. Is that a thing nowadays? No. No, okay, Not never mind. They do say peak charging rate of about 125 kilowatts. Um, and then uh, apparently it's got a pretty good charging curve too, which is good. So let's move on from the Volkswagen ID4 and talk about the ID4's biggest problem, mm-hmm. which is the Hyundai Ioniq 5. Yeah, there's yeah. two cars that, that, you know how I said I was hoping that the Mach-E would raise the bar? Well, these two cars definitely raised the bar. I know what they are. The, yeah, I couldn't the, agree more. The Hyundai, you know... Ionic 5 and of course the Kia EV6. Uh, we just had the EV6 here at the office. Tommy, you've driven the Ionic 5, so I'll defer to you. Tell, let's start with the Ionic 5 before we go to the EV6. Uh, once again, they're sister or cousin cars, so underneath they're identical, uh, but they are very different in their styling approach. So uh, the um, Hyundai is much more retro in my mind. Well, the funny thing about the Ionic is it looks like a 1980s hatchback. Which is just the best. It looks, <laughs> it looks like incredible. The taillights, everything. Lancia Delta Integrale. I mean, it's a phenomenal thing to look at. Um, but you look at it in pictures and you're like, yeah, it's, it looks kind of small until you realize it has a longer wheelbase than a Kia Telluride. It's got or a longer wheelbase than a Range Rover. I know. They, they, they move the wheels all the way to the end. So it is considered a crossover SUV. It's huge inside. And it's enormous on the outside, but even bigger on the inside. It's based on the eGMP platform. And this thing is a styling and design wonder. Um, outside, Tour. inside. Tour de force. Uh, the fit and finish, the quality materials, the technology integration, the airiness is just top notch. And let's face it. Uh, both Hyundai's and Kia infotainment is one of the best in the business, so it's actually easy to use. It does have a unique feature that no other EV outside of the Ford Lightning has, and that is you can actually plug in this dongle, believe it or not, and then power up to two 120 volt plugs. Yep. So you could like yeah. you know you could like plug in your if there's a power outlet potentially your refrigerator. So the meat doesn't spoil. I mean, it won't power your house like the Lightning will, uh, but it will, you know, it will power two things, which is pretty cool. Yep. Starts uh, in, um, I think, the low 40s, right? You know, I haven't seen the pricing on that. Do you, you want to look at the I'm numbers? I'm looking at 2022, I think 44. I thought it was high 30s even, though. We could, we could talk about the numbers in terms of its battery size. So up range is up to 300 miles. Yeah. Um, but what the Ionic does almost better than any other car, and mm-hmm. I experienced this with the EV6, which is a sister car, is the charging rate is just off the wall. Over 200 kilowatts peak charging rate, and it will hold it into the pack even. It's not just a burst up. So it's just a charging machine if you're looking for... Um, that that in your vehicle. Let's see what the base price is. Thirty nine nine, according to for Google, the two wheel drive for the yeah for the base model. But yeah. that is so much car for forty thousand dollars. I think when you get up to the uh, yeah the all wheel drive one's going to be more expensive. When when you get up to the like the original introduction vehicle, right? The limited edition, it's like fifty five. Yeah, yeah, you'll be exactly. in like the fifty thousand yeah. dollar yeah. range. Yeah. But for that, it's it's one of the best cars I've ever driven. Period. It's that yeah. good. And here's the biggest downside. Guys, What's there's that? one huge downside. Can you guess what that is? Uh, you can't buy them. No, no, it's worse than that. You can buy them, but it's worse than that, actually. And that is that for some reason Hyundai seems to have a dealership network made up of, you know, pirates and um, <laughs> and the worst in dealer dealer shenanigans because. Every single one I see out there is marked up by at least five, if not more like 10K. 
Um, oh, easily. You know what I mean? And so now you've got this incredible hit of a car, and you've got this dealer network that is like, you know, like, ah, it's our turn now. <laughs> you know, let's really stick it to our customers. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a shame because it's such a good car, uh, and it's being let down by a very greedy dealership network that, that is certainly living for the moment and not looking or thinking long term. Yeah, true all. that. All right, so uh, EV6, same car. I, I didn't fit quite as well in the EV6. The roof is a little too low. Yeah, the front the roof line is weird because it's 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 very sporty, right? So this is more of the Jetson scar. Yeah. The design is very futuristic, and I'm seeing a lot of them out there actually. But you're right. It, the one big downside of the car is when you get inside of it, uh, it's hard because that A pillar is very slanted. Mm-hmm. So um, for somebody you know who's taller. It, it becomes an issue. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, pick your flavor of electric car. Do you like the more retro style one that's kind of boxy, or do you like the more futuristic one? They're both incredible vehicles. Yes, and then no front trunk, really. There's a front cubby, but it's, 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 a, it's this a little, tiny little yeah, thing. It's a little tiny So cubby. that is the other drawback. But apart from that, it's almost a perfect EV that you can buy today. It's that good. So people might be wondering, why are we making such a big deal out of the frunk? Uh, and for me, like like the other night, I was bringing home Indian food. <laughs> and if you ever brought home <laughs> oh, Indian man, food I this, yeah. and you put it in your car, your car will smell like Indian food. It's going to smell like curry for years. Yeah, yeah. So there are use cases for frunk. Uh, maybe a wet wetsuit might be another one. You know, there's anything that, that you don't want invading the cabin space. Yeah. <laughs> be it, you know... Uh, uh, curry or be it you know stinky socks from the workout that you just did it's nice to have a place where you can kind of separate it from the rest of the vehicle especially if it's a hatchback uh, EV6 uh, charging costs very similar to the Hynek 5 Tommy charging costs no, yeah yeah charging times oh yeah uh, yeah uh, M, uh, you know MSRP uh, I think the EV6 is a little bit more expensive if I remember right but uh, both very similar they both run on an 800 volt architecture for the battery so a lot of EVs still run 400 Kia Hyundai is on 800 which does give you some advantages when it comes to charging but um, yeah they're both they're both great choices if you can get your hands on one I've heard from some of my colleagues that the rear wheel drive one isn't quite as fun so the all wheel drive one is like wow so fast but the rear-wheel drive one I heard is a little bit more tame well, there's a GT version of the EV6 that, no one's driven that yet yeah, it's just, that's it's 600 still, horsepower it's still coming and there's also an um, a supposed to be an Ionic 5N coming too which is going to be 600 horsepower the N line yeah N yeah like, Full like, like, N, like, like the like Kona a, N and like the yeah. Elantra N mm-hmm. and like the Veloster N so uh, I want to take a pause from our EV discussion yes. and talk about the Integra. Yeah, you just got back from uh, driving it in Austin, Texas. Tell yep. me. It. So Acura flew me out there to take a first look at the Integra, spend a day with it. Now keep in mind, I think we're still under embargo. For driving impressions. impressions but, but I can, can talk about everything else. tell you a lot about it because this was one of the biggest surprises of the year. I did not think I would like this car as much as I would because... It's got a CVT. No. <laughs> <laughs> always the, you and with the CVT. Yeah, always you and the CVT. The rub on the Integra yeah. um, is that it's based on the Civic, which is not really a rub because the Integra has always been based on Civic. I don't really understand the hate there. But uh, they've done a lot to separate it from the Civic. So to the point where every body panel, including the roof, the doors, the hood, um, the grill, the front bumper, all of it's different than the Civic. Even the overall length and the width are different than the Civic. The only thing that's shared dimensionally is the wheelbase. But it's got a 1.5 liter turbocharged engine with um, the CVT is a standard transmission. So it's, You're right. it's a Honda Civic Si 
that's been now it's, massaged into an Integra. I liked it a lot more than the SI. Interesting. If you get the top spec like I had here, manual transmission with automatic rev matching, and uh, top spec fully loaded as you see at 35.8. That's a beautiful blue, by the way. Yeah, the blue might be more, but the gray one I was driving was 35.8. And that's a lot of car, because this, keep in mind, is an Acura. It competes with the Audi A3, the BMW 2 Series Grand Coupe, the Mercedes CLA. The Beamer is going to be four grand more. A, uh, a Merc is going to be eight grand more. 35.8, you get uh, amazing seats. You get um, uh, adaptive cruise control with a manual transmission, lane centering, lane departure warning, wireless charging, heated seats, um, ELS premium sound system. I mean, it's got all these features for 35K. And we know it's going to be reliable. Well, that's the goal, Probably. right? It's based on the Honda. Uh, now, it is not the most powerful vehicle in class, 200 horsepower um, out of the 1.5 liter turbo, and there's no all-wheel drive option. But... This car is getting a lot of hate online, and I think that it was surprisingly amazing for what it is. So I was around when the original Integra first came out. 1986-ish. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Is that the right number? Yeah, yes, that is not a guess. I'm sorry. Right. They told us. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, that was just, uh, I mean, Acura came out swinging, right, with the NSX, the Integra, and the Legend. Uh, and the Integra was a car that your mom actually owned, Tommy. And what made it special was that it was like near luxury but affordable and fun to drive and, uh, you know, well-built and uh, fuel efficient. So does this car have those, you know, does it have those specs, that original uh, DNA of the Integra? Yeah, I really think it captures a lot of the magic. I know it's getting, you know, because it's this kind of... Huh. This is called the fifth generation of Integra. So you're probably familiar with one through three. Generation four was never called the Integra in the US. It was the Acura RSX. But in Europe, it was the, or in Japan, it was the Integra. Now the fifth generation, this is interesting, designed, developed, engineered all in Japan, only sold in North America. Wow. Yep, so it's built in, I think, Ohio, alongside the Civic. Um, but it's not going to Japan. It's a, it's a U.S.-only market car, which I thought was kind of interesting. But, yeah, I really liked it. A little bit more mature than the Honda. Quality materials on the inside better than the Honda. It felt more premium than the Honda. Didn't just feel like a badge job. I think they really did a nice job with it. All right, well, let's keep going with our electric cars. Tommy, thank you for that report from Austin. Uh, we've got uh, one brand that has, outside of Tesla, what traditional brand is, has the most electric cars right now? A Nissan. No. They've got the least, <laughs> not Nissan. They've got they've got one and a, one and maybe two coming. We'll get oh, to, we'll I think get to the by area. volume. I no, I meant... mean in terms of like the number of models. Um, Can you guys think what brand has the most electric car models? It, it, it's so BMW is two. It, it's more. It's more. Mercedes has two. Yeah. Audi. Audi has. Audi exactly right. Yeah. 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 Audi has the, Audi has the most. So let's quickly go down the Audi. Well, electric. they have two. No, they have no. A, no. They don't. They have more. They have the e-tron and the e-tron GT. And then they have the um, Q4. Four, e-tron. Yeah. Is that out yet? Is that in? It, it yeah, just it came is. out. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they have three. That's interesting. They have three now. Yeah. And so let's talk about them very quickly. Uh, so actually, they have two versions of the e-tron. They have the regular one, which is a crossover and hatchback. Uh, the sloping hatchback, right? The one that sportback. Sportback. Yeah, they have a sportback. Yep. So they have two versions of that. The same thing with the Q4. Yeah. As well, uh, and so I've driven that one, and I've driven the e-tron GT, which is basically based on a Taycan. Uh, the Audi, um, it's funny because the Audi, for a while there, wasn't uh, um, that popular. 
the the e-tron people just looked at it as because it looks very similar to like a q6 q5 q7 maybe yeah Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't look different Uh, it has uh, about 200 and how much range time can you look it up it's, I think it's for like 250 miles of range, if I remember the right. The standard it's, it's e-tron. It's been like three years since I drove it now, so it's been a while. Uh, zero to 60 in like uh, just under six seconds. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's basically, you know, an electrified. 222, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 220. It's basically like an electrified uh, big crossover. Well, it's like a bank vault. Yeah. The thing is heavy it's comfy it's very well made and it's got a good charging curve apparently too um i've never driven an e-tron yeah they're, they're good uh but they're a little um underwhelming right there, there's nothing about them that, that mm. like 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 is particularly quick uh very design heavy uh but uh for me i felt the range was at the time not enough i kind of felt like they were competing with the jaguar i-pace uh, which at the same time was a very similar vehicle, right? And the I-Pace outside of the Nissan Leaf was one of the first electric cars that came out. Uh, and that one is often not on people's radar. But before we get to the I-Pace, uh, let's talk about the e-tron GT. That's a, that's a sister cousin car to the Taycan, 800 volt architecture. I like the Porsche better, uh, but that's just me. Those are more expensive though. They're a little bit more expensive. Yeah. And there's, you know, two wheel drive, four wheel drive, turbo, turbo S, same thing with the e-tron GT. It really comes down to what you prefer. Do you like the design language and the interior of the Audi, which is a little bit more, I think, a little easier to use. Uh, on the infotainment side, a little less screen happy, or do you like the Porsche badge and the Porsche design? I prefer the Porsche badge, but they're very similar cars. Uh, um, quickly charged. We drove the we drove the Taycan from LA to here, right? We were getting well. We were getting great charging times. No, we kind of had bad luck on that. We had really bad luck. I think so, the highest we ever saw was sixty-four kilowatts. This is actually, this is an interesting thing. Do you know the e-tron is actually more expensive than the Porsche? Is it depending starting. on the model? Really? Can, ah. Not a Turbo S, dude. So the so starting. So here's the deal. Um, every e-tron is all-wheel drive. Yeah. So that's a big difference. So the Porsche, you can get a rear. So yeah, drive. so you can get the Porsche decontented cheaper than an e-tron. You but can if, get it just at around hundred k. If you, I think it's like eighty nine. It's eighty nine, but you'll never see that car. But anyways, I, I think wheel drive, you'll never features see for features. The Audi's going to have more bang for buck. Right. right. Um, but I did. I've spent a lot of time in the Porsche and the Cross Turismo version of Taycan, and that really is. Other than the Mini, funny enough, that is the enthusiast electric car. It is buttoned down. It is a beautiful thing to drive. It drives like a Porsche. It steers. It brakes. It stops like a supercar. Um, it just is so solid. Um, and the range has never been that impressive on the Porsche, although it is talked about that they underrated a little bit, like the 200, low 200 range. Um, and that's gone up a little bit recently because they, they've retweaked it a little bit. But uh, phenomenal EV. And if you have a lot of money, and you want exactly what you want, the Porsche configurator is like nothing else in this yeah, world. Yeah, and the sports Turismo version of the Porsche. It's fantastic. Yeah, the station Love wagon version is either the cross Turismo or the sports Turismo are some of the sexiest cars out there. Unfortunately, America doesn't buy station wagons, but we should. We Oh, and you can. Question. Might as well buy it while you can. Who knows how long the thing's going to be around. What I really yeah. find most funny about the Porsche, though, which like, I just can't take it seriously, they're calling an EV, the Taycan, like electric or turbo. Yeah, the turbo is it's, weird. Once again, it's, it's like it's a Mustang. It's a branding thing. It's a Mustang Mach-E issue, right? Yeah. But that one goes up to, well, 200000 if you want to get the very quick one. Oh, yeah. But, but it it's still, expensive. It, it, you know, the biggest difference between that and, of course, the Model S is that Porsche says you will be able to sustain that 0 to 60 time, time after time after time. And we actually did that in the Audi. On the program I went out, we, we did multiple accelerations. 
and it, you know, hit that same number. And I want to say the Audi is like in the three and a half second range, if I remember right. Yep. So a couple other cars, um, kind of running out of time here, but the BMWs, uh, two new EVs, the yes. i4, which I loved, also an enthusiast um, car. My favorite car of the year so far, by yeah, far. Really good, super solid, fast. Only downside is the ranges. We had the big tires, the range is like 220 miles. Yeah, uh, not not quite the, the kind of range you'd want for the money, but it really is such a nice thing to drive. The uh, new iDrive system is amazing. Um, and it's a little bit more conventional than its sister car, which we haven't driven yet. The iX. The iX, but hopefully we'll have some time. That's the big electric crossover. So i4 is also at the top of my list. Um, some cars which are not at the top of my list, the Nissan Leaf is still kicking around. Air-cooled batteries, um, and it still runs Chatamo, which is the old charging standard. Yeah, they're going away from it in America, but not in Japan. The only reason I would get a Leaf is because it is affordable. It's the most affordable EV on the market. But I'd prefer a Mini over the, the Leaf because yeah, it just drives it's, it's so much better. it's never resonated with me. It's the second most... It was, for a while, the best-selling electric car in the world, and then the Model 3 surpassed it. And then speaking of affordable, the other uh, cars on the market, which are the affordable EVs, are the Bolt and the Bolt EV by Chevrolet. We also haven't driven the newest generation of those. Hopefully we'll get some seat time in those soon though. But um, the, I was a little disappointed. The major, yeah, the major purchasing factor for getting a Bolt is once again the affordability and then maybe Super Cruise if you get the EV. But apart from that, they really haven't moved the needle too far with the Bolt. Yeah, so when it first came out, I was expecting it to be like GM's moonshot and it was far from that. It was just basically a compact. Well, little, it's, a, it's an electric hatchback. It's a little hatchback with, yeah. that had, you know, 250 miles of range. Then uh, the most entertaining thing about it was that it was torquey and thus a little quicker. Uh, and then, of course, when they when it was time to redesign it, they didn't really do anything. They made it look a little bit more Prius-like for some reason. Uh, but they didn't like, you know, like 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 I say, they didn't go for the moon. They just mm -hmm. kind of redesigned it and they came out with a bigger version of it. And then, of course, with GM, what happened was the whole uh, battery problem hit. I think it was with LG. Uh, there were issues where the battery could potentially catch fire. And so GM said, don't charge it fully. Don't park it indoors. Uh, and they had to go and replace the entire battery pack, which was great if you owned one. Uh, because uh, you got more range, in yeah, essence. Yeah, brand new battery for yeah, free, brand basically. Brand new battery for free, but you, you also have the downside of not being able to fully charge it or park it indoors, which is a huge downside. So, uh, you know, GM has put a lot of uh, emphasis on their new Altium battery yep, packs, that's what right? you call it. which are first uh, going to be... Uh, in place in the Hummer EV. I drove that, that's a that's a kind of a truck podcast, so I won't go there, but I love that truck. But like I say, that's a truck podcast. Yep, we'll so, talk about the review so, the truck so one too. How about the Aria? I drove that as well. Yep, that's coming. We, we still don't know a whole ton about that in the real world because it hasn't really been launched in the US yet. I, I drove, it's, it's Nissan's new electric car. I drove it on the track. The one thing I can say about it that's really good is uh, it, they've really taken up the kind of level of craftsmanship. So it doesn't, it's not exactly outstanding in terms of range, in terms of performance, right? In terms of, it doesn't move the needle in the battery world, but it does move the needle in the Nissan world uh, in terms of its kind of ability to make you feel special. Uh, and that's cool. Uh, the design from the outside is better in person than it is uh, in pictures. So in pictures, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of bland, but when you're next to it, it's very nice. Uh, uh, in terms of, you know, its ride quality, um, it's very quiet. So it, it feels like it's more of uh, almost an infi Infinity product as opposed to an Nissan product. So let's, in the last few minutes, talk about Tesla. So yes. Model 3, SX, and Y all are in 
incredible charging vehicles with big batteries, long ranges, and the best technology in the industry, in my opinion. And the only one with its dedicated charging network. Which is just you enormously can. important. It's probably the biggest biggest competitive advantage that Tesla has. Yep. They also have front trunks. They are very, 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 very fast, even in the slowest configurations. The downsides, I, they are feeling a little boring now. I'm getting kind of tired of the whole single screen thing. Yeah, the minimalist approach was cool when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, they need to freshen it up. Yeah. yeah. They and, haven't changed them. And the, the driving dynamics are sometimes a little bit compromised. Like that Model X we had wasn't really that impressed with the way it drove or handled. Um, it's funny. The Model X was my favorite. Yeah. I that, love the Model X, actually. I didn't like it very I, I much. I didn't love the Model Y, and I could live without the Model it was 3. so big but I love the Model X. And the, the panels comfy, didn't line Tommy. up. It was comfy. I love the Falcon doors. I thought that was so stupid. Cool. Not everybody likes those Falcon forward. doors. Those the, are really... They didn't work in our garage. Yeah. You couldn't get stuff in and out of the back seat with them. I love those Falcon doors. Yeah, so I didn't like they those, cool. but they are undoubtedly the easiest cars to road trip for the average person because you just plug it into the supercharger network and off you go. Um, but I think that now, especially that we're seeing Hyundai and Kia come up with the Ionic 5 and the EV6, some of that global EV domination is starting to slip a little bit, and Tesla's going to need to keep pushing the needle forward if they want to leapfrog yeah, that technology. Look, look, the problem is they offer like six colors, two interiors, and four wheels. And people who drive expensive electric cars, and they're expensive. You know, we just did a video over at TFL EV where we were talking about uh, the new Cybertruck and how we're not sure it's going to be, whether we're, whether it's going to flop or not. And there were a lot of thoughtful comments, but some of the comments were not so thoughtful, right? So, mm -hmm. um, like, like, you know, one of the comments was that uh, Tesla was the first to the market, so they have first mover advantage. And I completely agree. What they did, and this is phenomenal, Tommy, Tesla dragged the entire um, ice world kicking and screaming into a new electric age. And, and you know, That's you gotta, you got to give huge. Mr. Musk uh, huge props for that. But they did it because they were kind of on a budget, right? They, they almost went bankrupt about a half a dozen times. And so they did it by simplifying everything. The problem now is, you know, people want cars to express their lifestyle, to express who they are. And when you show up at the local supermarket in a white Model 3, and there's three other white Model 3s parked next to you, it doesn't feel special anymore. So which of these cars would you buy? Uh, I would buy... Uh, Model X. I know that's weird. Oh, and the Plaid, too. We forgot mm. about the Plaid. Well, that's... Fastest accelerating car in the world. That's pretty huge, Tommy. You can't just, like, discount that, right? Fastest accelerating... Two seconds, zero to 60 for 120-ish thousand. Pretty phenomenal. 300 miles of range. So which of these cars... Oh, and then a couple of cars we haven't driven. Lucid. Lucid. Yeah. We have driven the EQS, which is an amazing car. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about Mercedes. One of my favorite EVs of all time. Um, it looks like an egg, though, which I struggle with a little bit. But uh, the interior quality, the, the driving dynamics. is incredible. Yes, I agree. Too incredible. The comfort <laughs> is really, really good. But if you if you look at this list, the car, so what, what, what would you choose? You said Model X, the best new EV you can buy. Uh, if, it were, if I could only buy one, yeah. Hummer EV. Well, we didn't talk about that. I know, but I'm, I'm, that's, that's the one I would that's buy. That's a truck. What about a car? If you force me to buy a car? Yeah. You have to park it in your garage. It doesn't fit in BMW there. BMW i4. Okay. Easy. It looks like a traditional BMW, drives like a traditional BMW, but has all that electric goodness. Uh, and just uh, was really impressed by that car. Only downside is the range is a little bit low. But like I said, over 200 miles is fine. How about you? Um, Hyundai Ioniq 5. Okay. Easy choice. It's the best looking car on the market. It is um, 
fast charging monster. It's really affordable for the amount of range and battery you get. The interior is amazing, and I just love that. Love, love, love that car. So that would be my choice. And you, Jay? Yeah, Tommy took mine. Definitely Ionic 5, hands down. I didn't even have to think about it. Well, guys, let us know what you think in the comments below. We're going to have a little discussion down this, there. This should have been like a two-hour podcast. I know. We could have just you, kept going. You, you know, if you guys like this, let us know in the comments below. We could do a deeper dive because I feel like we short-shifted Mercedes. We've driven a lot of the EQS. Uh, EQ, what's the other one? Uh, there's a bunch of EQs now coming. EQE's coming too. So, yeah. yeah, we can do more about it in the next one. Absolutely. But I got to go do a road trip in a Ford Bronco. So, I got to go hit the road. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for watching. Remember, go to alltfl.com if you want to see these videos uh, and if you want to go and you know see what we think of them when we get behind the wheel. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.